All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All right, sitting here across from my friend Jenny Allen. She is our guest for today's episode. You were on the podcast like two years ago, Jenny, when your last book came out. But now you have another one, which I'm super excited to talk about today because I'm already obsessed with it. It's called Find Your People, Building Deep Community in a Lonely World. But before we get into talking about the book, I just want to read a little bio about you, Jenny, which you're the founder of If Gathering, which I have gone to before. It's amazing. And y'all have another one coming up, right? Yes, March 4th and 5th, and it's online. Everybody can watch it. Jenny is the host of Made for This podcast, and the book she came on to talk about last time ended up being a New York Times bestseller, and it's called Get Out of Your Head. And you have a lot of other amazing things on your resume. In addition to that, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a friend, which is fitting because that's what this book is all about, friendships. Yes. And speaking of friends, another friend of the podcast is actually someone that endorsed your book. And here's what Annie F. Downs had to say about Find Your People. Deep community is the path to health, joy, success, connection. Find Your People will inspire you, challenge you, and encourage you toward 
the relationships you need and want. Oh, that's so kind. And Jenny, I pulled a quote from the book that I want to mention just because I do this podcast so that people don't feel alone, whatever it is. Maybe it's just one person listening that needs to hear a particular episode. And I share things for that same reason. And I'm just so thankful you wrote this book. And the quote is, do you ever wonder if maybe you're the only person who feels this alone? You aren't. You aren't alone in feeling alone. So I'm just thankful to know, and I'm sure for others listening, if they happen to be feeling alone, for them to be reminded that they're not alone. Well, I think that's the hope in the weird weird way. I mean, it's bad news, right? We're, we're all lonely. Three in five people, research says, were lonely prior to the pandemic. So you can imagine now it's a good four to five out of five that are feeling lonely, I would imagine. And so we've got a crisis. And so on one hand, that's really sad. On the other hand, everybody needs a friend, right? You're going to initiate with people that are also feeling lonely and that hope to build this into their lives as well. We seem like we have the ability to be more connected than ever because we have phones, we have FaceTime, we have Instagram, Facebook, like all the things to connect that other people didn't have. Yeah. Podcast. That's another perfect example. So why are we feeling so lonely with all this quote unquote connection? So the way that we're built is 150 people are kind of our max of acquaintances. Well, most of us follow way more than that on Instagram, Facebook. Certainly our news stories are coming from the ends of the earth. We're hearing everybody's problems, right? But 150 is about what we can handle. And that's just acquaintance knowledge. You know, a name, you know, a problem, you know, Hey, this is what's going on. We can handle about 50 people to be part of our village, our deeper community, which means I would take you a casserole if I found out your mom had cancer or something to where I was reaching out to those 50. I can't do that for the 150, but I can do that for about 50 people. I can, I can kind of move into their lives on an occasional basis and play a role. We only have margin for a daily relationship with about five. That's, that's how many we're able to like keep up with on a weekly, uh, daily basis. Well, what social media has done is, is basically made our acquaintances so large and we don't have any of the inner circles. We don't have, we're not taking a casserole to the neighbor when we find out they're going through chemo because we're so exhausted from carrying the weight of the entire earth. So we basically have compassion fatigue. You know, we care about every problem that comes along or we try to, and then we don't have the margin or the compassion or the time to help the neighbor that really just needs us. So I think why we feel disconnected and lonely is we've really broken the system the way that it's existed since the beginning of time, which was small villages of people. And ironically, from the research, those numbers are exactly what would play out in a village. Most villages are between 50 and 150 people. Today, if you walk into a little bitty town in Italy, which I've done, and you go to this little grocer in this little, little bitty town that's not touristy, me and my husband show up there, you walk in, the whole grocery store stops and says, who are you? What are you doing here? You know, because they know each other. No, no strangers come in from the outside. That's how 80% of the world even lives today. So the 20, we're in the 20% that is living very independently from each other. And I don't even mean that like we don't have friends. I mean that we don't rub shoulders with people we know their names and we care about and we build a relationship with. My thesis is that it's time we change that and that we notice the village that that we've been placed in right around us. And that might come from the Starbucks. It might come from a local church. It might come from a soccer team. It might come from an apartment complex. It might come from a job, a co-working situation. 
but to start to look at the village that you've been placed in and how can you begin to see these people as potential friends? As you were researching the topic of loneliness, what do scientists say about what loneliness is doing to to our health, to our well-being? I mean, we're starting with all the bad news. we got a major problem, not just in the numbers of people that feel lonely, but they say, and again, when I say this in rooms full of people, everybody cocks their head and starts Googling to see if I'm right because they can't believe it, but I am right. You can look it up. Basically that doctors are saying that that loneliness and isolation is worse for your health than obesity, smoking, or alcoholism and drinking too much. (laughs) It gets worse than all those things. And so (laughs) It's a, it's a crisis. If everybody's feeling lonely and isolated, which we all are because of the pandemic, right? All of us, then we've got it affecting our health, not to mention our mental state, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Those are all, I mean, unquestionably at the highest levels people have seen in this generation, especially the younger generation coming. So we know there's a problem. What is that problem? And I truly believe it's that we've given up on real life connection. And I'm not talking even about two to three best friends, although that is the goal for all of us. And that's certainly a goal in the book, but it's bigger than that. It's, we need the context of a village. We need older people to tell us how to parent teenagers. We need younger people to come into our lives because they are more available and flexible on a Friday night and can come over and play games with us and hang out with us and help raise our kids and tell our kids, no, don't do that right in front of us because it takes a village. And, and then people that are single need people to be around that have different problems than them and, and yet understand their problems. So I just think we have been functioning, looking for two to five people that are exactly like us. And if we're married, our hope is that their spouses then will be best friends with, you know, our husband. And and it's just not realistic. It's, it's literally not how anyone has ever lived. So why do we think this is going to work when it obviously isn't? And so my hope is that we open our eyes and see who's around us. Who's that person that walks their dog in front of your house every single day and you've never spoken to and strike up a conversation. Uh, some of the people that are reading the book early, one of the girls in this Facebook group said, you know what I did today? She said, I was at gymnastics with my little girl. I say the same people every time. And today, instead of just nodding and waving and then looking at my phone, I, I talked to the woman next to me for 30 minutes. We had the best conversation at the end of it we decided to have game night with our husbands next week. She said, we've been sitting next to each other for months looking at our phones next to each other. So my hope is that it's almost like you put on glasses to see the world differently. And instead of always running errands by yourself, call a friend and go to Costco and split, split toilet paper, you know, like let's take this technology that we've been given in our generation and start using it for good and let it be a spark that, that starts connection rather than the screen we stare at for seven, seven hours a day. You know, me looking at you, Jenny on Instagram, (laughs) or, you know, we, I live in Nashville, you live in Dallas, but, you know, and seeing you as the leader of a major organization and surrounded by all these people and your family, I would just think, oh, she's totally got this on lock. Like she's good. She wouldn't never struggle with something like this. So what was it like for you to deal with loneliness? Oh, I mean, I I have different seasons in my life that have been hard for different reasons. There have been times that friends have quit me and there's reasons behind that that are really hard and were very vulnerable to write about. It was a lot of times always my fault. And then there are times that like, I just moved to Dallas about four and a half, five years ago and had to start completely from scratch pretty much and make friends for for the first time in a long time. That was incredibly hard. I was a pastor's wife for many years, and that's a whole lonely thing where, where people are friends with you, but they also 
see you as a, playing a role in their lives rather than just a friend. So I've had different seasons where it's been hard for different reasons, but I would say that the hardest it's been is when I have people in my life and I get hurt more than when I've been completely lonely. Um, somebody said the other day, you know, I'm perfectly fine if I'm sitting by myself with Jesus, like I don't have any problems, you know, and it's true because it's like, if you're just by yourself in your house, like life's pretty good. You know, nobody's bothering you. You're not bothering anybody else. But if you get into relationships, you will get hurt and you probably will hurt someone else. And so there's a, just a real issue of, do I even want this? Like, I don't even know if this is worth it. And I would say that probably is the biggest temptation in all of us is just to say, you know what? I have tried this and it doesn't work for me. And yet it doesn't work for us not to have this either. And we are craving it. And so what does it look like to say, you know what? I'm going to brave this. And I would say to someone, what if five times you get rejected? Because it does happen where people don't want this or think they have it, or they just don't have the capacity for it. And you get rejected five times. But on that sixth time, you make one of your favorite people that you'll be best friends with till you die. That would be worth it. Like you would deal with a rejection five times if on the sixth try, it resulted in a lifelong friendship. Not that it wouldn't be still full of complications, but you would do it. And so that is my hope is though, even though we're all tired, even though it feels like, oh, I've tried this and it's, it's gone poorly for me, that we would, we would give it another shot because we truly were built for this. Our bodies do not function well. Our emotions do not function well. Our minds do not function well without this. And so we got to fight for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. God designed us for connection. Yes. Yes. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in store. All right. So I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover-up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. 
it could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. I find that, yeah, isolation, I like being alone. I mean, I have to recover because I have a very extroverted job, but I tend to lean more introverted. So I need my recovery time. But then there's a time where my recovery time begins to look unhealthy. And I have to check myself because that isolation will, yes, lead down a path where it's not good for me to have too much of it. And I'm self-aware enough to know now through therapy that I would lean way too into it. And that could be dangerous for me. And to be fair, I think what you just described, Amy, is what all of us are feeling. It is easier to get in our robe and pick Netflix than to even attend the party we said we were going to attend, right? We are socially tired. We are emotionally tired. I think something about the pandemic took something out of us that it's just, we're not quite back. And maybe we never will be in the same way. I mean, just to speak to that, what I've had to start doing I believe this enough. And what I hope the book will cause to happen for people is that they'll believe it enough that they'll just start saying yes to some things, not everything. Cause you're right. We definitely still need downtime. Not everything. I'm not suggesting that at all, but I've noticed when it's Netflix or a few friends where we are going to grab, you know, a late night drink and catch up. 
that I will come home feeling more rested and energized by those few friends than I do from just staying at home. And I think that's what I hope people hear is you actually are craving this. And it actually does, even for introverts, some level of connection is you're made for that and you need it. And so it really does fill you up, even if you also have to recover from it (laughs) and get some downtime too. What qualities do we need to be looking for in these potential friends? Well, in order to have like this deep, meaningful friendship that you're speaking about. Well, so one of the things I did in the book was I laid out all the different types of friends there are, right? So there's challenging friends that will tell you the truth. There's encouraging friends. There's, there's foxhole friends. I call them, which is like, they'll just get in there beside you and, and work beside you and clean out, clean out your closet with you or dream of a new project with you. Like they're just beside, they're kind of sit next to you friends. And then you have the fun friend that literally is always initiating something. But the reason I put all those types of friends in there is because what we tend to do is we expect or need or want two to three people to play all those roles in our lives. So we miss potential friendships and people that might make us crazy, like our mother, right? Like we may feel like, oh, my mom makes me crazy, but really she's actually probably a good friend to you. Not all moms by any means, but a lot of moms have been beside you a lot of your life have have great knowledge of you. They might not be good at this, but they are good at this. And, and, and so we tend to just look for three people that are just like us in the same life stage. And we need them to be fun, take initiative. They need to organize things. Well, they need to do all these things or we're disappointed in them. And my hope in putting the different categories of people is to go, you know what? Yes. Everyone's going to disappoint you. So let's just all agree. I will disappoint you. You will disappoint me. We all disappoint each other. But you know what I'm good at? I'm good at being fun. I'm really good at creating an experience and a memory. So I'm going to play that role in my friendship's lives. I'm not good at remembering your birthday. I'm just not. I always forget birthdays. So my other friend, she never forgets a birthday. There is a card first thing in the morning on my doorstep. But if I get angry at my fun friend that doesn't remember my birthday because she doesn't remember my birthday, then I'm going to be stuck every single year. I'm going to either withdraw, like whatever. I just think we need to see, have a lot more grace expect people to disappoint us, and then see that a lot of those needs and desires we have are being met by a bigger circle of people than just your tightest two to three people. And then we end up with more of a village, which is my goal of the book, than just two to three besties. Hopefully you have that too, but we were never meant to have all of our relational needs met by two to three people. And so my hope is that we see the our friendship pool and our relational pool as bigger than just two to three people in our same life stage. So we look for all kinds of things and we appreciate what people bring to the table rather than always being disappointed. I love that so much. And I think that's huge. That's something that, you know, the friend may need to hear or you may need to hear for yourself and like have that reminder because I think sometimes we have these expectations on people that are not going to be met. They're never going to be met. Then there's resentment. Yeah, and you could be sad about it or just go, you know what? oh, I'm going to let everybody down too, right? <laughs> There's that reality of, and, and then when you function in that kind of grace with each other, it breathes oxygen into relationships that I think we desperately need right now, especially. And so what about ways to form these friendships or they're like ways to take relationships to a deeper level? Like once you've got them in their little category of what type of friend they are, but are there things we can be doing to be proactive I'm asking specifically for myself because I spent many years of my life up until the last few realizing I was avoidant in connection and I just kept most people at a distance because if they hurt me, 
then it wouldn't hurt as bad. But I mean, I I had it under disguise of like, yes, I'm close with people. I'm so close to them. But then they felt like not close to me at all. That was my story. <laughs> yes, that was my story. And and you nailed it. I mean, I think people want to be needed. Um, when I consistently would ask my friendships, what can I do to be a better friend to you? I would expect a list. I would expect call more, text more. And instead they said, need me more. Like say what's going really going on in your life. Well, that is way harder than a list of to-dos because that is a huge risk for the reasons you're saying. I have been burned by people and gossiped about and it's been used against me. And so why would I continue to do that? It just didn't even feel helpful. And so I've had to discipline myself to risk vulnerability again with my friendships and, and in that have just found it to be the thing that deepens those friendships and actually heals my heart as well, right? It's just... It takes such risk. You know, the, the thing I say is to not be afraid to, to be a little needy. And what I mean by that is I have a friend that she's really good at calling me in the middle of a cry. She'll call me and she's crying and I would never do that. I just, my, my former self would never call someone in the middle of a cry. I would call them the next day or the next day after I've sorted it all out, I can say it with great clarity about why I'm down. And I've worked it all out and I feel positive about it. And I've put a little bow on top of it, right? Like I'm not going to call someone while I'm crying yet. When she calls me, when she's crying, I feel so loved that she would risk that with me and that she would. And I feel so happy that she trusts me with what she's feeling. I don't feel bothered, but I think in my mind, when I'm doing it to someone else, I feel needy and like I'm bothering them. I'm with you on the, I want to be needed. I read that chapter where you shared that very personal story. I think I even earmarked it. It's chapter six, safe. It's called safe, where you say, I have lost friends because I haven't done what I'm about to tell you to do. And you shared that story. I think I can be a little bit needy though, even though I wasn't connecting with them on their level. So I can call a friend when I'm crying, but then I feel like they don't feel as though they could call me when they need me. I wasn't open. I wasn't like somehow part of me wasn't screaming, even though I thought I was, hey, call me when you're crying. I will do that to friends. But then for whatever reason, I somehow created a thing where they didn't feel like they could come to me. And I'm just like that. Come to me, please. Like I'm begging you, please come. Actually, Amy, that is so precious. And I hope all your friends are listening to this right now and hearing it, all of them. Because I, I always say to my kids, use your words about things, right? Like they're in a fight or they have a misunderstanding. And I'm like, use your, what do you want? Use your words. And I feel like that's what we need to do as adults too. It's like, I think that candid, beautiful conversation of you looking at a friend and being like, why don't you come to me? I want you to come to me. I don't want to hear about this three days later, because that's what my friend Lindsay did for me. She basically said, Hey, you're going to start telling me when something's wrong. And you're going to tell me when it's wrong in the middle of it, not three days later. And I was like, I don't want to. And she said, you're going to do it. And she would just make me do it. And it trained me. I mean, it literally was coaching to me of opening up and, and seeing the benefit of it. But I think she had to use her words to help me do that. And I had to use my words to actually do it and to process why that was hard for me. So I think one reason we all feel so distant and isolated, and we think we're the only ones feeling alone as we aren't using our words with the people around us. We're not saying, you know, I mean, the awkward things. I I, I genuinely believe the whole book could have been called awkward conversations because (laughs) ultimately it's like that. That's what it takes. I mean, it takes awkwardly asking someone you barely know to coffee. It takes 
awkwardly saying, Hey, I would love to share with you, like what's really going on in our marriage. It takes awkwardly saying, Hey, I would love for you to come over and my house is a mess and my kids are home, but I'm just kind of feeling isolated tonight. Like I would love it if you came over tonight, it takes awkwardly inviting people into your life and, and stepping into theirs, you know? And, and I think that nobody taught us in first grade. This is like, we needed a class. This is how you be a friend. And, and I promise you, one of the things they would have taught us is you awkwardly do things. You awkwardly say things, you, you hurt each other, you work it out, you conflict resolve, but nobody ever taught us. And so I don't think it's just you. I don't think it's just me. I think we're all at this place of like, how do we go deeper, but it feels so cumbersome and prickly and awkward that we stop and resist it and just kind of go back and watch Netflix. And I'm just advocating for doing the awkward thing and saying like what you just said, it was so beautiful. And if you were my friend, it would mean so much to me that you felt that way. You know, like I hear those words from you and I'm like, I love that. And, and I think any person close to you would love to hear that. So yeah. Why don't we say the hard things, right? Why don't we say those things to each other? I don't know. Yeah. Well, cause I think instantly there's lies yes. in my head where at one point in time, they may have been true because for whatever reason, maybe I wasn't available, mm. but either way, whatever it was, if I'm aware of it now and I'm actively working on it, it is awkward. That's it. It's just awkward. Right. Even me talking about it right now, it feels awkward because you're so right. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. And it is friendships. And you're saying here, and you have a whole book based on that, like, it is what we need. It's the way God designed us and it's worth it. We need these connections. So we just have to like, forget about it and be awkward and bring up even with whether it's a neighbor or a best friend that you've been friends with for a long time, have the awkward conversations. All right. I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas. Anytime I wear them or I get a new pair, they feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand 
in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. Do you remember when Jennifer Lawrence was going up to take up an award and she was, she was, she was kind of new to the scene. I can't remember if it was like during hunger games or what, but she fell when she was going up to receive her award. She literally face planted. Do you remember this? Yes. I believe at that moment was when the world fell in love with Jennifer Lawrence. She was still really new. She just got up and like laughed and like kind of brushed it off. And I think that's got to be our, our mode of operation right here. Like, cause what you're saying is there were times you weren't a good friend. That's what you just said. Yes, absolutely. And I just want to say to everybody, if you can't see and you're just listening, you got all scratchy. Like, and I'm just, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, <laughs> but you were like itching your neck. Like that was hard for you to admit. And I cannot tell you, I was scratching my, my friend says I scratch my face when I get anxious. And I was scratching my face the whole time I wrote the book because I'm not good at this. And it's so vulnerable, but that's how every single person listening feels. No one has this on lockdown. There are very few people that would say, you know what I'm good at? I'm a great friend. Very, very few people. 
Okay. Well, that goes back to the lies that are in my head, which are that, oh, that she's such a good friend or this, this friend in my life is so amazing. I wish I could be a friend like them. Or if I try to do this now, they're, they're going to think, why is she even doing this now? She's, this is not the kind of friend she is, but I love that we all have the opportunity to grow and work and change. If I, if that weren't true, I would be in so much trouble with this subject. In fact, my first page of the book originally read to all the people that I've hurt and wounded and that you can't believe I'm writing a book about friendship. I'm so sorry. You know, and my, my publisher was wisely like, Hey, that's kind of dark and twisty. So let's not open the whole book that way. You can be vulnerable about it, but let's not put it in the first page. But that's how I felt. I was genuinely embarrassed that I was writing this book because there would be so many people that would say she is the worst friend. Like, I can't believe she's writing a book about this. But I also would say to those people, I also have grown in this. I've practiced this. I've worked hard at this. I've disciplined myself to be someone who says what I'm going through and who is vulnerable in the moment. I've disciplined myself to initiate even when I'd rather stay at home in my robe. I've disciplined myself to make a new friend and awkwardly ask them into my life and invite them into my you know, kids' lives. I've done this work. And it is worth it. It is, it is living. What is life? If it is not relationships, there's, there's nothing else. Like if we have money, if we have success, if we have everything else in the world, but we don't have relationships, those are the most unhappy people. So it truly is the greatest thing from God that we have on earth. It is people. And so we've got to figure this out and get better at it. But I love what you're saying. Like we get to awkwardly, humbly grow. When I just read the whole book on audiobook, which you do at the very end, it's the last thing you do. And I was a little embarrassed about parts of it because it was so elementary nearly. It was, it was almost 101, like how to have a deeper conversation, how to ask a friend to coffee, how to, I literally put all that in there because I knew that would be a barrier for some people. And I regretted that I didn't have the first grade class. So I was like, some of this book is going to be how to. And as I'm reading it out loud, the producer and the other people on the call, I started giggling and I was like, guys, I guess this feels kind of elementary. I was almost embarrassed at my own words. And the 60 year old woman that was producing said, Jenny, I'm telling you, I didn't know these things. It just changed my perspective. And it made me feel one hopeful because the reason I knew to put them in the book was I didn't know those things, you know, and that's why I put it in. So it gave me hope that none of us know how to do these things. And maybe if we just all stumble awkwardly into each other, there will be something likable about it. There will be something vulnerable about it. And supposedly they say all the research that that's what makes good friends is being vulnerable. So <laughs> that's our hope. So they say we're all here for it. Yes. You know, you mentioned recording the audiobook as the final mm -hmm. step. I know in the book you wrote as you were getting towards the end of completing it, you had a panic attack. Yeah. So can you expand on that here? Yeah. So the first chapter is actually the last chapter. I wrote the first chapter just a few months ago um, as I was finishing edits on the book. And I got to a place where I had been writing and editing most of the year. And, and so, you know, it's a very isolating thing. And so I hadn't been with my people. They kind of stopped calling, but yet I was writing about them and, and our close friendships. And then my husband was angry with me. My sister got angry with me. And I felt like I don't even know who my people are. I'm coming out of writing a book about finding your people. And I think I might've lost all of mine while I was doing it. And I, I would say for weeks, this was growing in my mind as, as a truth, even though it wasn't. And I ended up on my closet floor because I had had a dream that felt so real where they not only had they pulled back, but they, they had 
gossiped about me. They were hateful. And my mind was just spinning out on, on, you know, it can do that where you just almost get crazy in your head of, I just don't have anyone. And typically like my old self would have felt those things. I would have done my best to work through those things. I may have mentioned it to my husband in a very surface level of what I was actually feeling, but I woke up the, the morning after my panic attack and the phone rang at like seven 45, eight o'clock right after drop-off. And it was one of my best friends. And, you know, and, and I remember seeing her name and you know how you are after a hard night where you've just wrestled and cried. And I just kind of wanted to pull the covers over my head and like go to sleep that morning and, and not deal with life. And I remember thinking, I have a choice right now to answer this phone. And I have a choice to tell her like, here's where I am. And so I answered the phone. And that night I said, I, I need to tell you kind of what's been going on in my head. And she said, okay, let's get together tonight. Me and Ashley, my other friend, and we go together and talked for two or three hours. And I just cried to them. And it was funny that that night I'd shared all of it. And it was so painfully hard. I want to be so honest with everybody and just say like, that is never easy to do. And especially when you're doubting the friendship, I just felt like the two of them had kind of seen each other every day. And I had been missing for months and it was super vulnerable and went against everything in my body to say it. And at the end of it, when she was dropping me off, Lindsay hugged me and said, I want you to know I've never felt closer to you than right now. And I think there's something about the hard that actually makes all the good. <laughs> you know, it's the fights that actually deepen a friendship. It's the conflict and the doubts that bring the security. And, and when you say those things, so it's all risky and people could hurt you and they've hurt me before in doing so. But, but I also think the thing we're craving is on the other side of that. One of my big takeaways from our talk right now is for sure, well, about the book, which it's inside the book so people can get it, but is the different types of friendships mm -hmm. and that you put labels to them like the foxhole friend, because I think that will be so freeing of any certain expectations and that you have and, and disappointments. Those friends are still going to disappoint you for sure, just like you're going to still disappoint others, but that's just huge. So I'm thankful that you did that. Well, I go back, Amy, to what you were saying. You were looking at other friends and saying, oh, they're so good at that. And they're so good. You weren't actually saying they're such a good friend. You were actually saying they're good at something I'm not. And so in your head, they were a good friend and you weren't. But the truth is they could look at your life and say, Amy's so good at this. And I think that's the freedom we have with each other is if we bring our strengths to the table and let, and our weaknesses, right? And we be who we can be for each other. It's just, huh, I hope that's the feeling is that, that we realize we're all good at something and we're all, we all have something to bring to the table. Even though I'm not great at being vulnerable, I'm growing in that, but I'm really good at, again, creating experiences for people. And I just planned a trip for a friend to, for her 40th birthday. And I'm not good with details, but I'm great at thinking of something fun that we all could do together. And so I bring that to the table and I'm good at counsel. And when you need something, I'll help you figure it out. So I have those things that I bring to the table, but plenty of ways that are hard for me that I'm not great at. Well, thank you for getting vulnerable and sharing with us. Since it is the four things podcast before you go, I'd love to do four things gratitude with you. I want to get specific this time. You did it the last time you were on, but just kind of whatever you were thankful for that day. But if you could share a book besides find your people, obviously that is the book recommendation for today's episode, but something that you've read recently that's encouraged you or inspired you or just 
allowed you to escape mm-hmm. for a little bit because there's so much heaviness in the world. Um, then a TV show, an Instagram follow, and a drink. Oh, so fun. Okay. A book is Atomic Habits. I love it. A lot of people probably read it. It just reframed for me how to live in the world, especially after the pandemic. It just gave me new language for restarting my life and working out and all these things rather than feeling defeated. It was just really helpful in that. As far as an Instagram follow, something beautiful that I love is um, I just, in fact, it was just my most recent follow. It's called Pop Parties and it's in Dallas. And it's just one of those things. I mean, I literally last night was just scrolling through all of how they decorate a tent. It just blows your mind. I've never had a party like this, but one day maybe I will. And then Okay. TV show. Do you know, I got back into alias. Do you remember alias? Yeah. I, but I've never watched it. Should I? I know me either. I mean, I remember it being back on when I was in college, I think, or really young. Anyway, it is the greatest show for about one or two seasons. I loved it. Jennifer Garner is incredible in it. It was like kind of the original, you know, bad a woman. Like she just was amazing in it. Well, speaking of Instagram followers though, since you bring her up, do you follow her on Instagram? She's hysterical. I love following her. She does a lot of cooking and she has a cat. She loves a cat. She, I was totally influenced by her a couple of weeks ago and ordered this like hoodie where you put your cat inside and then your cat can like poke his head out. No. And she's great. She She'll read stories and just, she's so I know. cute. And her little cooking, her awkward cooking in her kitchen. It's so cute. I know we would all be her yeah. friend, I'm sure. And then, yeah. oh my drink. Oh my gosh. Brown sugar, oat milk at Starbucks, y'all. It is hard. It is hard to turn that down every day. If I pass a Starbucks, okay. shaken brown sugar, oat milk. Okay. So shake. So is it iced? Yes. It is so good. Okay. And then that has espresso in it or? It has two shots of espresso. It's not too sweet, which I like. It's the best Starbucks drink there's ever been. They cannot cancel it. Ooh, it's kind okay. of special right now. I'm like, you can't take that one away. It's so good. Well, I'm glad you shared that one because that's a Starbucks drink I have not had yet. Yes. So. I will be trying that. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. Find your people. Uh, It's definitely going to be something I'm diving into and sort of treating it like I already have like notes in the margin, sort of like a little little workbook. And I just think that this is a great thing. Like get it for maybe this is something that you get for all your girlfriends or send a link to some girls that you think would enjoy it and have your own little mini book club and y'all can go through the awkwardness together. Yes. Hey, I will help you. I will start the awkward conversations for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye, Jenny. Thanks for having me, Amy. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where 
they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. 